0: You're young.
1: Your heart been broken, I'm still broken, breaking down weed I've been hoping, you've been hopeless, help me please Heaven notice me, I'm out of focus I showed me the robo dough so I could dodge your demon. Tryna choke my throat. Her last man was Lydia and dough. He was taller, older, I'm like Amendola Height trips left, open, right. Call me over on a motion. I'm on your side. They ain't tripping. I'm finna dribble up and mobilize. Survival more remorse. I grabbed the wheel and rode to death. I ride to die. I'm making life and taking life. I fuck a chick. I killed the guy. I spill the beans and threw the rice armor, fight And night. And shining fight. fighting. Give me the night my my slice. My new thing. My new thing. New flame. Butane. Nipple rain. Cushy rain. Lick them both, do my thing, pickle salt, dang it though, powder water, take a go, let me dry the boat, nah.
2: This is Gary McDonald. I'm a convicted felon. And this is Convicted Conversations, January 9th, 2019. And I do have Mona Lisa Weaver in the building with Probation Station. How are you this evening, ma'am? I'm doing well,
1: thank you. How you doing, my brother?
2: Outstanding, boo. Great, <laughs> rising.
1: I want to start
2: it. off with um, one of the questions for you. What made you want to become a probation officer? And outside of that, what made you want to help kids?
1: Alrighty. So, probation. I didn't know I wanted to become a probation officer. Nope. No, no, no. Um, what happened was when I was in college, I had interned because I was a criminal judge. I was a psychology and a criminal justice major. Mm. And I had interned for the Department of Corrections. And it kind of put me in a space where oh wait a minute you know I can help people right because growing up my mother always helped people whether it was the homeless she picked up you know what we call criminals today from the streets would feed them and stuff of that nature so I was raised in a home where like although we were dead poor on food stamps the whole nine yards it never stopped my mother from actually helping people in the community so when I interned with the department, it kind of showed me a side of criminal justice, and then I, I kind of was on the whole rehabilitation. You know, and I was a JIT at right. this time. I was in my early 20s. Okay. So, the internship ended, you feel me, I had um, applied for a job mm. with the department, but never got a call. what ended up of up happen- Yeah. So, what ended up happening is I was working another job after college, and I stopped at the gas station and I bumped into the head of the Department of Corrections of Broward County. <laughs> so, you see how the universe works? But, Ms. Weber, why didn't you apply to the department? I said, What you mean, bro? Of course I applied. Ain't nobody called me back. He like, What? Within 48 hours, he called me. I interviewed for the department and I got hired. Wow. You feel me? So, it was like, it was almost like destined. Yeah. Right? Great. So it wasn't that, oh my God, I want to become a, pro- I ain't go to college. I want to become a probation officer. Originally, I wanted to become a forensic psychologist. Mm. So I took the job as a probation officer to work my way up to become a forensic psychologist. Okay. But when I was, when I was a PO, I just kind of started to understand that there was no rehabilitation.
2: Nope. And I
1: started to understand that it was, there was a game being played.
2: In the you, system in the- within
1: the system you feel me and I I worked for about six years five and a half six years as a probation officer in Broward County in the felony division and during that time I ended up getting a promotion working inside the courtroom as an in-court probation officer mm-hmm. so I started to see how the system worked I taught I started to realize like, wait a minute, if you have money, you can kind of get off. If you have a good lawyer, you can kind of get off. Mind you, I was a JIT, so I did not understand the concept Mm -hmm. of the system. I thought that I was going in to help people. Right. Right? To the best of my ability. Um, Although people who um, plea out to probation have to sign terms and conditions that Mm -hmm. they have to follow. But it's, it's a setup. You feel me? So once I started to realize that and started to kind of... Wanted to help the people that were on probation. I became an outcast with the department mm. to an extent. You a feel set me? up
2: against men or black men? Like a set up against who?
1: I want to say like a set up against the poor, mm. right? But which was so happened the majority of the poor Are black. Were black and brown people? Unfortunate, right?
3: Right. So.
1: You know, I always want to make that clear. I was like, oh, I, when I grow up on probation or not, it was like the universe just kind of worked towards that. And I'm right. very thankful and grateful because I was able to understand, learn the system from a different perspective. Right. Because this is what I tell everybody about the criminal justice system. The probation officer is one of the the key people in the, in the in, in, within the system. And let me explain why. A police officer arrests you and they're gone. You feel Damn. me? The judge sentences you and they're gone. Done.
3: The
1: the the bondsman bond you know works with your bond and they're gone. Done. So if 90 over 90% of people literally plea out,
3: mm-hmm.
1: not over 90% of people don't see a jury of their peers. So in the United States of America, you have about 2.3 people in prison, and then you have about 4.2 million people under correctional control. Right. Some form of community supervision which can include
2: four point two million.
1: Right. Maybe it could be a little bit higher. So the majority of people under correctional control are out here with you and me. Hmm. Point blank period. So community supervision, also known as House arrest. House arrest, probation, drug offender probation, stuff of that nature. So they're out here with us hmm. with the guidance of their probation officer who has to abide by what the court ordered.
2: So you basically got their balls in your hand. Pretty much. Wow.
1: Pretty much. And then the lack of resources within the system doesn't help.
2: Resources as far as what?
1: Community service, housing, jobs, um, programs. So everything is pretty much... I always want to call it a setup. Because part of your terms and conditions of probation are you must maintain employment. Right. Or you must complete community service hours. You have to report every month. You have to um, comply with drug testing. And
2: you have to pay every month. And you have to
1: pay. And let's not even get to that. Right. You feel me? So when you start looking at all these things, you're pretty much in jail. But out here with all the temptations.
2: A little bit of freedom.
1: Just a little bit. You're still you know, you're you're shackled into the... You're one step away from going into the system. Right. Right. So, the terms and conditions of probation are set up for you to...
2: Pretty much violate. Because they say if you have any contact with the law, you violate your probation.
1: Right. And also, you cannot um, be surrounded with other people, you know, that are engaged in criminal activities or others that may be on probation. But when you go back to your hood...
2: That's all that's there. That's
1: all that's there. So pretty much being on probation, going back to your hood, you're already like in, in, in some form of violation. So if
2: you don't stay in the house, you're pretty much going to violate. If you don't stay in the house or do something positive with yourself.
1: Right. It, it's, you know, it's a, it's a very huge possibility that you'll you'll violate because it's just all the external circumstances. It takes um a lot of support. It takes a lot of positivity. It takes a lot of dedication and determination for you not to violate. And then on top of that, you know, it depends on who you live with. Yeah. You feel me? Because then if you're on probation, your entire family is on probation as well. Yeah. Your home is subjected to search. Yeah. You feel me? Um, if someone in your home says something against you, you may be, you know, you can violate.
2: They and- call the police. Oh, he yelled at me. He threatened me that's an automatic
1: violation right so it would it would depend on the probation officer you know some probation officers are are have more wisdom and understand what's going on and may try to help you with the situation or right. verify certain right. things and then there's others that are like this is what it is okay that's it you know like straight by the book okay I'll whatever. To send okay. You back right. to i'll to send you back you have some there's just as there's a different type of person in any other industry. Mm-hmm. It's also the same with, with, with probation officers. Right. You have the good one that's going to go above and beyond. Right? You have the one that really is just real nonchalant. It is what it is. They don't matter. Whatever. Just want to check. Just want to check. Yeah, okay. You got... All right. And then you have the ones that are kind of like out to get you. They have a power trip. Right. So all these type of probation officers exist within the system. Just because they have a badge... Or because they say, oh, you know, whatever the case may be, we're going to help people. That's not necessarily the truth. And we all know that right. based on what's going on, you know, nationwide. But it's just very, um, it was, it was a real eye-opening experience being a probation officer. And I would always, not necessarily get into anything, but I was always trying to go above and beyond to help our brothers and sisters right. in the system.
2: Even if they didn't see it.
1: Even. I mean, they 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 saw they they saw it. You feel me? Because I wasn't even playing with them. I was very str- I was firm. Oh, so
2: you kept your foot on their neck,
1: right? I was firm and fair. Right. But the thing is that I also understood. Yeah. You know, they I used to be in the area of Sistrunk. Trunk. Right. You feel me? That's where I supervised Sis Trunk. Up in Fort Lauderdale. Up in Fort Lauderdale. By the African library. Feel? Yeah.
3: Right.
1: Up in Fort Lauderdale, um, Deep Side over there for of fifty six. Lauderdale. All those, all, the, right. all those areas. Right. So coming from where I'm from growing up I I understand the struggle you feel me so I wasn't really on that I'm finna violate you I was always trying to figure out solutions you could
2: relate a little bit more than a person that's not from those areas
1: correct correct and I really wanted to help and 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 something clicked like year five when I was in that shit I was like man I'm straight you feel me like all we doing is just putting people in and out of out of jail in prison or whatever the case may be um, we sometimes I did have a voice in the courtroom but like how the point system goes down you feel me and you make a simple mistake because every time you violate certain points are added to your score sheet right. you feel me and this is what people don't understand especially
2: if it's a new charge a new crack charge, a new cocaine charge. That's points added onto the points, points you already have. Right. Where you score prison time. Correct. Once you get, what, 44 to 54 40 points. points.
1: Right. So what happens is people really think, oh, man, I don't, man, they done reinstated me. I'm finna, I got, man, I'm good. But now understanding with a technical violation. Now, a technical violation is anything outside of an arrest. Right. Right.
2: It could be dirty urine.
1: It could be dirty urine. It could be failure. To, Failure to complete eight hours of community service.
2: Or pay money.
1: Or failure to pay your cost of supervision. Or failure to report. So all these are considered technical violations. And in the state of Florida, a technical violation gives you six points.
2: Only six for a technical.
1: For a technical. Plus
2: whatever. Plus whatever
1: from, you know, from your entire criminal history, if you have one. Plus, now if it's a new charge, you're getting 12 points. Right. You feel me? So At the gate out the gate if it's a new charge a new charge violation you're getting 12 points Plus in the state the of Florida. Ugh. you feel me so it just it, it's it's an accumulation so it's pretty much they just keep you in the system keep you in the system keep, keep, add- you, points.
3: keep adding
2: adding up
1: right and people truly believe that if they violate oh man I just got reinstated I'm going back home yes you got reinstated you're going back home but what you, you got got forgot that, and then when they're like oh um let's say you violate one or two more times right you going to prison. What you mean I'm going to prison? It was a marijuana, you know, um, I, positive urine. They forgot about the from the time They forgot about the points because nobody talks to them about these points. You feel me? So it's an accumulation.
2: So it should be a system that's... Do you think it should be a system that's being told to individuals that keep reoffending? Hey, or somebody in the jail or outside a probation officer do you think they should remind, hey, Gary, you know you got 30 points right now. If you get 14 more points, you score prison time. Why they don't warn them or tell, I know they want them to go back, but I'm saying why it's not a system where they could warn them about the points that they're accumulating?
1: Okay. I know. So I'm gonna challenge you, right? Really, like. I know. Why, why would they, right? Because remember, we got the prison industrial complex. Right. You feel me, they need that free labor.
2: Privatized. They got that privacy.
1: So, what it is, is they put it on you. You're the one that has to figure the stuff out.
2: You got to go back to that room and add up with these 60 months, man.
1: Or you... See, and then the crazy part is this. Like, you as a person with a new charge or your first time getting arrested or your second time getting arrested, you're already afraid. But you don't know what questions to ask your lawyer. Yeah.
2: You're fresh. You don't know. You don't anything.
1: And then the lawyer... Now, if it's a public defender or a private attorney, they have so many cases, they don't have time to explain to you how the system works. Right. You know, if... and, and I recommend this book, and I really appreciate you having me on your podcast. Thank I'm really you, excited. I'm really excited Happy about it. The
2: year. Happy to same, have you on here,
1: too. Same to you. Same to you. You know, Probation Station came about because of the lack of knowledge that I saw in our people. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So I, I, I worked on the knowledge that I gained
3: to over try, the years.
1: Over the years. Because then when I quit the department, I went and worked for lawyers. Mm. And then what we did was we created an early termination system to start getting people off of probation based on the knowledge that I had acquired. Mm. You feel me? But then it went a little further. That's cool, fine, and dandy, but we need an educational platform to teach our people about the system. Um, I recommend a book by Johnny Cochran called My Lawyer's Life. Mm. So that book johnny cochran talks about the fact that the criminal justice system kind of started just like the school system started in the 60s and we were not educated into that system it just popped up you feel me right. and they just started funneling people into the criminal justice system
2: so my younger listeners that don't know who johnny cochran is he was a lawyer a black lawyer prominent black lawyer that got oj simpson off of uh, murder conviction back in the... 90s. 1990s. I think 93, 94. Right. Um, but later in the years, he did pass away. But that's who Johnny Cochran, John- that she's mentioning.
1: Yeah, Johnny Cochran did so much. That book is so phenomenal because what he did was, it was like Robin Hood. Like, mm. he, he made money on the civil cases to come back and help the brothers and sisters beat murder charges that they were being framed in Los Angeles. Man, you that book, I get, please. Read that book and you will learn that everything that is going on right now has been going on. That book talks about the unarmed black men that were killed coming up into their home with grocery bags. You feel me? Like, he names names and, and, and lawsuits. He, he ended up being hired and traveling the entire country doing, um, doing um, civil cases after, after unarmed black folks were being murdered.
2: What's the name of the book again?
1: It's called My Lawyer's Life
2: my lawyer's life. Make sure y'all go download it or go to Barnes & Noble World and get that book.
1: It gives you an entire um, education on the criminal justice system, how he was treated as a black man. Like, he wasn't allowed into the civil courtrooms because that was for the white folks. Mm. It's really, really deep. So, you know, I learned a lot with that book. It helped me understand how the system works and then his experiences. So... That also motivated me to really put out something simple to just teach the people. You know, as simple as what to wear to court. Mm -hmm. What to wear to court? People don't understand. I see
2: guys going to court with shorts on. Like, when that judge look at you, I swear he's going to look at you and say he doesn't get it. Whatever time you're going to give him, just give it to him. I saw a guy the other day. I went up there to get my rights restored and to get my gun license back. I saw a guy going there with gym shorts and a tank top. The lady at the door, he was juried down, too. The lady at the door didn't say, hey, I think you should. I don't know if he was going to court or trial. or He probably could have been going to a fucking ticket clinic. But I'm saying he came into the courthouse dressed like he was on the streets. And I tell these guys all the time, your last grade completed in high school, they always ask you that. What's your last grade completed outside of your physical appearance? If you look like you're on the streets, that's how they're going to treat you.
1: Uh, yep, pretty much it because people need to understand one thing you're going into their house, yeah. You're going into their house, and according you know, that it's what honor, respect, and integrity, which mm. we know, you know, nine times out of ten, there is none behind the scenes. You know, they do what they want, how they want to do it, yeah. and, and whatever the case may be. So, I tell people, man, when you go into that courtroom bring in the best representation of yourself because that's the difference between 18 months and 36 months. I continue to tell people I sat in the courtroom every single day for almost a year and I saw how it worked. I understood how it worked and it's an image. They look at it as if you don't respect yourself and you don't have anybody here with you, then why should I respect you? If you don't give a damn about yourself, why should I give a damn about you? Right. That's why I always advocate about making sure you have proper clothing, proper attire, bring family members, friends right. to people the people that can speak for your character. People that can speak for your character. Right. Um,
2: bosses. Bosses. You church you feel people. feel me? Church
1: people. Do not go into a courtroom by yourself. I
2: promise you. You
1: feel me? And I don't think people understand the importance of these little things man go to the thrift store get you a dollar shirt yeah. some dollar pants and 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 some payless shoes if only to wear to the court right you feel me invest five dollars in yourself because it will save you 18 months 12 months of probation off I'm 10 maybe seen years it in prison risen. yeah So it's all about understanding how they think and how the system works and just being knowledgeable and being empowered and understanding, Okay, this is how the law works. This is how it is. This is how I'm supposed to be. Right. You know, you got people taking pleas at arraignment. I'm like, how do you take a plea at an arraignment? And the arraignment is the first court case. Right. They just want to get it over with. Right. And and people need to understand that arraignment is the first court case where they're going to let you know what what your charges are. are. You feel me? Calm down, relax. Then listen they put to it, it off
2: for a calendar call. Then they correct, set it off.
1: Correct, Oh and, no,
2: I want to. I want to end it today. Let's go to prison.
1: <laughs> like, right. And, and 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 that's just the fear and the lack of knowledge. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like let it run its course because the the burden is on the state.
2: But not really. What if this guy is having such a hard time in life, Mona Lisa? What if he can't find nowhere to stay? What if he don't have no job, no prospects? Nothing's looking up for him. I'm quite sure going back to prison, it will be an easy decision for him. It'll be easy. I don't have nowhere to stay. I don't want to sleep on the bridge. I'm gonna get free meals in jail. Yeah, they gonna tell me what time I have to get up, but I don't have to live on the streets. I don't have to move from pillar to post and move from this place to that place. So that's why, me personally, I think recidivism is high because those guys go right back to jail. And, like, the definition of recidivism is the tendency of a felon to reoffend. These guys go right back with no problem a week out, and they go right back. Right. A week out. You yeah. haven't even hugged your family yet. Right. And right back, Mona Lisa, they right back in prison.
1: I a think that's out. also... Um you know, being institutionalized. Cause I, let me tell you, one of the main things that I remember as a probation officer, and I will never, ever, ever, ever forget it ever. One of the main things was I had a person who was on my caseload that got out of prison and it was a prison split. So a prison split is when you are sentenced to prison and it's followed by probation. So let's say you were sentenced to prison for, let's say four years, and then followed by four years probation. So when you get out of prison, you come and you meet your probation officer. So this particular gentleman has spent many, many years in prison, and I will never forget him because when he came into my office, we met, we spoke, and he was so institutionalized about two to three months in, maybe like his second or third visit, we had a conversation where he was not able to adapt to what was going on out here in the world. Because when you're in prison, they tell you what to do, when to do it, how to do it. You know, you you, you counting, you, you, you eat at a certain time, you go to the bathroom at a certain time. Like all these things, they're telling you what to do so your mind is already succumbed to being told what to do. All right. When you come out here, now you have to try to figure it out on your own. And he was so institutionalized, he told me straight up, like, I'm going back to prison. Like, I, I can't survive out here. And I've heard that multiple times, but this particular person just, it's, and I've been out of this, I've been, I quit the department years ago, you feel me? Mm-hmm. I haven't been a probation officer in years. And I could never forget him because he ended up going back to prison because he could not function out here. A lot of the men being in, 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 in prison for so long after a prison split, because sometimes they're on probation after they get out of, out of prison.
3: Right.
1: He just couldn't function, man. And he ended up violating and committing and went back to prison. And it's happened... Several times.
2: So, well, do you imagine getting out of prison after 10 years, and your whole neighborhood change? Mm-hmm. Everybody's gone. Different faces, different people. Spanish people, Arabs. You name it. It's in your neighborhood. You have, like, right in Hallandale, just right on Foster Road. They have high rises that they're building. Not high rises, but different condos right in the uh, fast area, drug neighborhood, whatever mm-hmm. you call it but they're building these buildings right on Foster Road. And I can imagine guys getting out and seeing that. Like the whole neighborhood has changed. They have a fire department. They have everything right on that one main strip. And I am I sit there and wonder, like, I see the changes on a daily basis and I'm out here on a regular basis, right? And I'm sitting there thinking like a guy that's getting out of prison after doing 10, 15 years and you come out, none of your friends are around, people are in the graveyard. And like what else is there for you to do right. if oh. you can't find a job or a place to stay?
1: And not only that, let's look let, how about technology?
2: Yeah, you how don't even know that? how to work a cell phone. You don't even
1: know how to work a cell phone. So all that is like a culture shock. Right. And then the lack of support and the lack of love. Remember cause yeah. let's let's be real. Right. When people get out of prison, a lot of the community consider them a burden. Family members within thirty right. days—what well, you going to do? You need a job. Right. They don't understand the institutionalization. They don't even pick up a, a book to study what institutionalization is. Right. They don't—they don't care to comfort and nurture this person.
2: So it's a stigma in that, just like it is with mental
3: illness.
1: Yeah, it's—it's it's, our communities have an entire—we just have issues all the way around, all the way around, and. Unfortunately, those that come out of prison are sometimes the last in in the totem pole. Right. You know, they don't know how to even dress to go get a job, let alone fill out an application to get a job. These trainings are not really um, done in prison. Right. You know, prison is more concerned on prison labor and maximizing profit. The food that they feed them, you feel me? It's not to to nourish and and activate, you feel me, the soul. It's not to to make you better. It's to break you down, specifically black and brown men.
2: Let me ask you a question. With this next future generation that's coming up, do you think it's possible? Do you think it's possible with with all of the knowledge that you have, all of the love that you have? Do you think it's possible... That we could keep a lot of these kids from becoming felons. The next generation. With the music and everything they showing on TV, they feminizing men, they emasculating men. Do you think it's physically or mentally possible that we could keep this next generation from becoming felons, or it's gonna be a continuous cycle? Like, how do okay. you honestly feel?
1: Okay. So Based on my experiences, and you know, I've mentored the incarcerated youth. So I've dealt with incarcerated youth. I've dealt with children in the alternative schools, Mm -hmm. which are the schools that are funded by um, the government or whatever the case may be. And, And there's no nurturing in any of these schools. There's no rehabilitation inside the juvenile facilities. So based on all these experiences, the only way that I see that these children will not go to prison is if we actually create something for them. Like what? Um, create a safe space. And 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 honestly, it's going to be difficult for everyone. We're going to lose a whole bunch of them. Right,
2: because they have but, safe havens and safe space. They had a boys and girls club. They got YMCA. They have all of these different programs that millions of kids go to across the country. And they become better people, better citizens, they don't follow up behind what their friends are doing in the neighborhood. I've seen kids go to Boys and Girls Club, get scholarships, all of these different things. But you still have those kids that wander the streets, the ones that break in houses. you still gonna have... Everybody's gonna have a bad... Not a bad apple, but you're gonna have bad people. Just in society as a whole, you're gonna have right. bad people. So... But,
1: but these children... Mm, these children, they're not bad.
2: You don't think it's DNA related or hereditary or nah. what they were. Well, t- I
1: mean, of course, some, right? Some, right. I think a small few. Yeah. The majority, the majority, come from toe up homes. are f up. Homes. Dysfunctional homes, part of the foster system, right. part of the the um. And I, I don't, I don't want to say single family homes. Because you got two parent homes that are jacked up. Right, you can still
3: turn out And you can still turn Right, right. so
1: what I feel is that there is a lack of love, period. Because these children are not wanted, they have too much pressure, the the, the parents don't listen to their cries. Let me give you an example. Mm. And this happens all the time. Mommy, mommy, when I grow up, I want to be an astronaut. Man, what you talking about, you want to be an astronaut? Shut up, man. You, You just killed that kid's dream. mommy mommy I want to be a a doctor Man. doctor psh, what you talking about
2: so what them parents say and they down to the you they power hold a lot of, of weight. the
1: words yeah. the power yeah when you start studying and psychology kids look at you like your children look at you like you're the most amazing human being in the world you are the most you are it mommy mommy daddy daddy and you mess around, and you just stomp that child, and that's where it starts: lack of food, negligence, no attention. Go out there and get it. We need light bill, phone bill, drug-infested homes, right. drugs. The with kids, see, parents think that kids don't see what they see, and they see it. Right. You feel me? The women bringing all these men in the household, the men bringing all these women in the household, like all this stuff all this stuff is part of why a lot of these children get caught up in what it is that they get caught up in
2: and they very impressionable
1: extremely impressionable but we start killing our children's dream as soon as they say mommy mommy this is what i want to be when i grow up
2: because you don't understand it or have right no association to it you just
1: right because you as a parent whatever the case may be you didn't fulfill your dreams now whether subconsciously or unconsciously or consciously, you don't tore up your children. Some parents don't like their own children. Oh. You know, and, and we got to like really have, start having these real conversations because you can't tell me anything because I see it. Right. Seen it, experienced it. Man, I was teaching out of school. We had a We had to bring the parents in because these children were out of control. I was actually hired to come and like kind of like tone down these children that Idiotor. were like... Yeah, taking over. <laughs> because the kids, like, within two to three days, they, they fucking with me. They're they like, yo, they asylum, you huh? feel me? It's <laughs> like, yo, Miss so you cool as hell, but oh my god, like you nobody talks like you Because I ain't going in there with none of this teacher shit. What right. well, I ain't no teacher. All
2: that booze ass. I'm not
1: a teacher, you right. feel me? I'm out here, I really care about these kids, and I'm trying to let you know what the fuck is really going on. Right. You feel me? So I ain't coming in there, oh well, you know, today you're gonna to, nah, man, this is the real deal, this is what's going on. Right. So they, they gravitate towards me, you feel me? Man, we dealing with these parent, these parents worse than the kids, man. Literally, almost got into it with the parents. I'm like, do you not understand that this, this, and this, and this, and that, man, After that, da, I'm going, me and the kids were like, about to get, I'm like, these parents, and I'm like, man, these parents, wow. some of these parents are worse than the kids, and these parents are major contributors. That's what I'm saying, where
2: they get it from, the DNA, they get it from...
1: You know, and then we can't, we can't put all the blame on all the, oh, these bad kids. I hate when people say, oh, these kids are bad. These kids are bad. But when you sit down with them and have a conversation and you can relate to them and they see you and you see them, you can change.
2: And everything stems from your childhood. Everything stems. Regardless stem- how much they want to.
1: Um, regardless how much. And why is it that other children are able to experience swimming lessons and golf lessons and nurturing and family parties and all this other stuff but I was got to be suffering, hungry, no breakfast, no this, no that. You, you know, ain't
2: shit. Your, you daddy, ain't nothing, ain't your this. daddy
1: ain't shit. That's one of the biggest ones. Your daddy ain't shit. Right. You just like your daddy. Your daddy ain't shit. Right. You ju- you killing our our boys right. with the power of words. See, but it's a deeper understanding, and I don't want to get into that because that's a whole nother holistic conversation. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Because I'm really deep into. The psychological warfare of our people from an Afrocentric perspective. Right. You feel me? Going back to Mother Nature, understanding who we are as a people. We are soulful people. Right. We learn different. See, what's happening is this. You trying to put a you trying to put a a square inside a circle. Hmm.
2: It ain't gonna fit.
1: It's not gonna fit. Right. So you trying to teach our children the European way. You can't.
2: All these mercers and
1: and, and not even that, like, come on, what child sits in the classroom all day? Let, let's be realistic about this. What child with so much hyperness and so much soulfulness and creativity they want to run? Remember when we was growing up, mm-hmm. we running, we peeing, we doing the tug of war, we doing this, we jumping double dutch. we, 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 we busy. we busy hopscotch, we releasing that energy. Now there's nothing for our children to right. release that energy. There's nothing. A lot of, we, we learn through like visual, we're creative, you feel me? Mm. More art, um, cooking, economic, like we, we like to use our hands. Right. Where's the carpentry at? Where's the home ec classes at? Where's the art classes at?
2: They taking all of that out of school.
1: You feel me? So now our children will sit down over there and learn cat whatever these type right. of cl- And I'm like, and, and, and our children are not dumb. They're not being taught by the right people. Right. And then we as a community fall for that shit. We fall for it. Right. Oh, my child got ADHD. Man, get the help. Man, listen. You know, and for those that don't know, you know, there's certain aspects. Dr. Umar Johnson talks real heavy about that with the children Mm -hmm. and the psychoacademic and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff. Like, we really got to start understanding that we learn differently. Right. And our children learn differently. You feel me? So like, I don't like when people are like, all oh, these kids are bad. Right. Like man, this is why I challenge adults. Your man break up with you, you about to cut your throat.
3: Trust,
2: cut your hell everything.
1: You feel me? Your woman cheat on you or break up with you, you you over there going getting drunk and and wanting to get into fights. Mm-hmm. The majority of men in prison is from something that had to do with a woman. Yeah. So, if we as adults are not able to cope or understand our own emotions, what the fuck makes you think a child can? Why do we put all this pressure on our children?
2: To understand. <laughs> to understand
1: when we really can't. I mean, I'm, right. I'm a... Man, my boyfriend broke years out. <laughs> <Snapping>. Right. <laughs> oh, right. I'm
3: gonna die? Right.
1: You feel me? You going to depress more people, kill themselves. Yeah. But now you want our children... To deal with those pressures. Do you know how many 12 to 14 year old young brothers and sisters I have met that are responsible for taking care of their younger brothers and sisters?
2: Yeah, I can imagine.
1: So now, but we want to call these kids bad. Right. And But yet we don't have any Some of them body odor. Hmm. These young ladies, 16, 17 year olds gotta sell their ass to feed their younger brothers and sisters. Yeah. But then you want to call her a hoe.
2: The mama doing hell, running the street. She, you yeah. feel like we
1: really gotta have like real conversations. Like we just and that's got what done. I'm
2: saying. When people, not to get off subject, but people talking about R. Kelly and oh, he need to be in prison. He need to be. What about the mamas and the people and people walking their kids to the door? What about all the people that took all the kids to Michael Jackson door and all? The, like it's just it's out there. It's so much going on. It, particularly in the black neighborhoods, It's so much going on, and like you say, people don't talk about certain subjects. Everything taboo. Don't nobody want to discuss it. oh it's too. It's too, it's too much. It, it has to be talked about. And it has to be talked about it because
1: be. look, I don't know if people forgot we're gonna die. Right. Like I don't think. Like I'm very like open like. Okay, I'm going to die. So since I'm going to die, I want to be able to at least leave leave something and, and have an open and have a healing mechanism for the children that are coming after us. Are we that selfish? Are we that selfish? They
3: are.
2: They are. That's why I'm recording is. When I'm long gone, my daughters, they can read the books that I've written. They could hear the podcasts that I recorded. And future generations will be able to learn from felonies. Like right now, a lot of the generations... They changing how we looked at rape and how we looked at being molested and how we looked at a lot of things back in the past. A lot of these jits now, the millennials, they on something totally different from what we were on. They real sensitive when it comes to a lot of subjects and using certain words and certain slurs and homophobic words. They real sensitive to a lot of that. And that gotta be transferred down to this generation because you got the lgbt community you got bisexuals you got them showing stuff on tv cartoons like it's it's pretty much a free-for-all out here and ain't nobody checking it like ain't nobody really saying that like it's dudes going to prison girls selling their ass girls Prostituting themselves Girls getting fake IDs Working at script clubs Girls going out of town Staying in Chicago Living in Atlanta Selling themselves Not nobody selling them Them selling themselves Or their friends Have some input on it But It's going on so much To where it's becoming the norm Yeah Like it's, it's It's becoming the norm Like No one's afraid This generation Not afraid of shit They not afraid of AIDS They not afraid of getting killed They not afraid of they're parents, they're not afraid of poly. They just not afraid right. of nothing. Right.
1: And 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 to actually answer the question about the future generation, mm. the cho I call them the chosen ones. You know, you're one of them. I don't know if you know it yet. Mm. But like there's certain people that are chosen to shift the atmosphere. Right. You feel me? And the way that our children may be kept out of prison is really creating, but creating But teaching them our way. You feel me? Not being funded. Not, 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 not the, not the organization, none of that. Like, Mm -hmm. coming in, okay, these young brothers and sisters, we evaluate them. We spend quality time. You can't get a grant for love, man. How you get a grant for love? All these children need is love, like, real love. Like, I care about you. I, I love you. I'm showing you I'm not only telling you
2: You mean at home Or in the school At home or Like Cause in school You can't do that no more You
1: can't do that no more Because they think so. But the thing is One of, one of my visions Is to create that safe haven right. You feel me That breakfast That good warm breakfast Every morning right. You feel me That that healthy lunch That How was your day today You feel me And really saying What would you like to do
2: Right
1: What are your dreams And aspirations And then guiding them Into that direction And giving them a mentor mm-hmm. You feel? I got like five, seven mentors, and I'm in my 40s. Right. You,
3: you see, feel me? Yeah. You feel me? i How do
1: you. you expect these young kids to go anywhere? They ain't even got no men. They can't even go to their mommy or daddy for nothing. Right. You know? So is there a way to keep them out? Yeah, but it's going to take real work with real people that really care.
3: Right.
1: Not that are going to be bought out or sold out or their agendas are of their own and not of the children.
3: Right.
1: You know what I mean? Um, there's some children that are going to grasp it and there's some that are not because you said it, they're not afraid of anything. Mm. Those are our ancestors. You know, there's the waves and spirits.
3: Right. Those are,
1: yo, we are right now in the boldest moment. If we can take these children and redirect their energy into positivity, we can change it. We can have a whole bunch of Malcolm X's. We can have a whole bunch of, you feel me, soldiers that are standing strong to raise future generations.
2: Right that's what we definitely need trust me we definitely need it's a lot that. of work
1: Gary though it's a lot of work
2: I can imagine
1: it's a lot of work but
2: well, let me ask you another question with probation station your goals the the mental capacity you have the the brilliance that you possess what's your what's your mission like what are you really trying to get across to to kids adults what are you really trying to get into the minds of this generation or future generations?
1: Okay. Probation station's mission is simply just like you have to go on job training Mm -hmm. to get the, you know, you got to, when you get hired, right, you have to do a job training. Right. When we look at history and we look at statistics with the black and brown bodies that are being directed into the criminal justice system, Mm -hmm. probation station's goal is simply to study the system. Right. Whether you're part of it or not. Gotcha. You feel me? You don't have to be um, you don't have to be a convicted felon or you have not had to spend one day in jail. Right. The whole goal is this. If I have the knowledge and I see some young brothers and sisters in the streets, it is my duty to teach them something. But if you don't know anything, what you gonna teach them? No. And also given the fact that we are actually targeted as a people, why not learn it? Right. just like okay when you go to high school what what, what, what you learning humanities for or, or well you're never going to use it again algebra you're never going to use it again right. why not teach our people and our children things that we know unfortunately we're going to be a part of directly or indirectly
2: you mean outside of critical thinking you mean like something hands-on correct Gotcha.
1: you feel me because at the end of the day I've never been to jail I've never been arrested. But I have family members and friends that I've had to go support in the system. You feel me? I've had family members and friends that I've seen being beat by police. Mm -hmm. So my knowledge has been able to assist in some way, form, or fashion. And that is our duty as a people. We must take care of each other and protect each other and help to the best of our ability. The issue lies our lack of knowledge. We don't have any damn abilities. You feel me? So if we're being taught... like, To me, these are several things that the black and brown communities need to learn. Mm
3: -hmm. Finances...
1: Credit Criminal justice Healthy eating You feel me? These are things that Whether we are part of it or not We have to learn it Healthy eat The way we eat That's a whole other topic It's killing us Right You feel me? So there's certain things Like you go to college and you spend all this money on classes that you're never going to use again.
3: Mm-hmm. Then
1: you in college, you mess around hanging out with somebody, something happens, you and a girl in the room, she screams rape, it wasn't rape, now you're part of the criminal justice
3: system. Felony
1: that fast. Now, nah, but if you know you're 5th Amendment, you have the right to remain silent.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Everything you say
2: Can and will, will be held against you in a court of law. Fuck
1: the cat, it will be <laughs> Like... Why aren't we teaching our children this shit? Because the mere fact of them walking down the street, they may get stopped. Right. They coming from the bus stop. There's a book called... What is it? Um, Justice While Black. I've read it a million times. Justice While Black. Mm. Is it Justice While Black by Robin Shit?
2: S-H-I-P-P?
1: Yeah. This was the scariest part of the book. And think about this: you chilling, you walk into, let's say, the bus stop. Mm. You're a tall, dark-skinned black man. Okay. You just walk into the bus stop. You going right. to work. The neighbor across the way, let's say, calls the police. Something happened around her way. Hey, listen, uh, something happened. A robbery in progress. Da 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 da. Description. A tall black man.
2: With a black and gray.
1: And it's not even you. A right. tall black man. Right. So now the police is coming and they see you. Mm-hmm. You're going to get stopped. And right. you ain't got nothing to do. And this is in the book. Like, the mere fact that you walk outside of your house as a black man, you a target.
2: You're being racial profile as soon as you walk out. Right. You're a
1: tall black man. That was, that was the, you fit the description. Does that sound familiar? You fit right. the description? Of course. We always fit the description. Right. The black man always fits the description. So the mere fact that you have black and brown boys that fit the description, you need to be teaching them about right. the system. Right. Point, whether they use it or not, your your job is to pray that it never falls upon them. Right. But at the end of the day, you want that knowledge. And this particular book breaks down so many different things. Even like there was a, a particular chapter that talked about this young brother had all the school knowledge in the world. mm but they didn't know his rights and ended up going to jail or something of that nature. Simply, mind you, but he college books and all this. It right. doesn't teach you real life. We need real life. Right. We need to be teaching our people Hands real life. Coping skills, learning about energy, learning about, you feel me? When you come around people, understanding, feeling vibe. feel vibes. We don't teach. Remember, we are a soulful, energized people. Right. We come from the motherland. It's all energy, the right. sun.
2: Of course, we don't.
1: We don't. We don't teach none I of that. I try
2: to teach them, but people don't listen. They They have no clue what I'm talking about. I try to tell them to look it up and do their own research. But like I said, fall on deaf ears. It does. It does, it
1: does because. The dominant society has been studying us for years and we wait, we playing checkers while they playing chess. Divide
2: and conquer, they Divide, know how to keep yeah. us separated. Separated.
1: So to answer the question simply is a curriculum for our people to be empowered. So when they walk into that courtroom, God, courtroom, God forbid, they are not intimidated. Mm-hmm. The mere fact, I remember one time I was recording a like a slight commercial for probation station mm-hmm. in front of the courthouse. On a Sunday. I cannot tell you how many people drove by the courthouse, stopped and got out and just stood there. And it just so happens that one of the people was somebody that I went to church with back in the day. And I'm like, Hey, how y'all doing? What you doing here? Man, we got court this week. We just wanted to come and kind of stand in front of the courthouse just to get the aura and the essence. Cause this is scary. I'm like, Get the fuck out of here. You telling me people come and just stand here? That's how scared they are to walk in the courtroom. Right. So you so scared, but yet you won't educate yourself. These
2: people got your life in their hands, just like a probation officer. Oh, man. A probation officer or a lawyer, who got the most power? The P.O.,
1: the probation officer. That's what officer. I'm
2: saying, because y'all write the statements, y'all writing in, oh, he did this. The violation this, got,
1: report. Y'all writing
2: everything, and the, the lawyers got to wait for y'all shit to come back. Before they do anything, anything right. so mm-hmm. probation officers are, are more, more powerful, powerful than, than the lawyer.
1: Than the lawyer, yeah. And yeah. then this is the thing, right? When they write, when they write the violation, right? Mm-hmm. At least here in the state of Florida, I don't know about other states because right. I only speak about Florida. Right. What happens is you have the violation report, then you have the affidavit and the warrant well, really from the judge, have, right, yeah, right, for right. the judge to sign. So you have the affidavit, the probation officer mm-hmm. stating that they're being truthful and honest based mm-hmm. on the violation that they wrote to the court, and then the warrant. But right before those two papers is your history of violations or whatever criminal history. Prior. So, the, so it'll be like, you got the violation report right before you hit the affidavit. Is your So the judge is looking at your entire history Then they see affidavit and a warrant signed.
2: Right. Just like that.
1: Just like that. So, it's understanding that system, even that system of probation, mm-hmm. what you getting into. You feel me? They don't understand that if they violate, there's a no bond hold. You're not getting out. There's no bond. Florida Statute 948 in the state of Florida. No bond. It's right. called a no bond hold. Right. So now, you're trying to get yourself together. You messed around and you violated. Maybe you didn't report or you reported late or maybe it's a positive drug test or right. maybe you didn't complete all those community service hours. Mm-hmm. But the the judge signed a warrant. You got your own place. You got your job. If it's a no bond hold, you ain't getting out for seven to ten days.
2: Right. And so now the probation you- officer give her a statement and they go
1: well, from that your court date, you feel me? Unless you got money to hire a lawyer to try to speed that up and stuff of that nature. Oh, man, man. You so feel so me? me? Yeah. So, most of us, basically what I'm saying is this. We as a people do not have the money to defend ourselves. Right. So, given the fact that we do not have the money to defend ourselves, it is our duty to try to get that free education.
2: What about like with legal aid? They have this thing where you could put money toward, but legal aid is one thing. What if somebody came up with a system to where if you got in trouble these people could go to mona lisa and with these charges and you'll be able to get it whatever knocked off expunge or what have you then if you get a what you call a public defender you know they don't even care like they they work with the state they out to railroad you Period. But the private lawyers, they pretty much work with you and
3: Mm. they
2: know a little certain little... I done had traffic and heroin charges. (laughs) I done did some stuff. I done got weekend jailed.
1: See, but this is the thing.
2: I had to pay that money, though. You had to pay that Stupid numbers. Yeah, stupid numbers. But weekend jail. I never heard of weekend jail before until 2011. I had to do 45-day weekend jail for Mm -hmm. driving on a habitual... I got three driving on a suspended license within one month and they turned to what then So
1: no, no violent offenses, non-violent offenses, this is not a uh, non-violent Felonies,
2: offenses. felonies Driving felonies. on a habitual, three to four, well at that time when I caught that charge, other guys said they were sending people to prison for three and four years for driving on a no habitual, habitual.
1: Uh-huh. license, like driving. what you in here for the Driving
2: on license, I'm like, up uh, yeah. for killing motherfuckers, robberies, <laughs> habitual, all kind of like real egregious crime. Driving on the habitual, you for the sick what you in <laughs> here for? Oh man, weed chart in prison, yeah. weed. Uh-huh. But everybody making money off the shit now. Yeah, weed. Yeah, it's it's it's,
1: it's we have to we, yeah we have to it's understand you know us. and it's all monetary. Because, you know, when you get that first ticket while you're driving, them tickets ain't $50. They be $340. That's half, that's half your... That's more than your paycheck sometimes. So I can see how people fall behind. Man, listen. The, my, my, the solution is this. Economic empowerment. Right. We have to create what we want to see as a people. Right. You feel me? Why ain't so many other races... In, in, why why you don't see Asians in, 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 in Jews and Jews and... The- why? Because they, they take care of their own. You feel me? They create for their own. They take their child. They got the business. The child knows how to make the fried rice. They know how to do this. They in the back, whatever. The dry cleaners. They they come in. You six years old at at, at the business. Work learning, learning a family business, learning how to use your hands, learning customer service. It's generational. Um, generational wealth. Yeah, we 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 don't do that. Jay do Z that. put
2: him up on game on the four 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 CD.
1: And ain't nobody. More. I don't think nobody. But listen, people kids. focus more on hating on him than anything else. Instead of trying to grab the jewels that he's talking about, you know,
2: big jewels. That boy dropped some stuff. Yeah, that your kids 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 could listen to and gain some type of knowledge off. But I think it went in, one in, came out of them.
1: Because we... One thing that... Okay, in dealing with a lot of our children, one thing that I realize is they have no critical thinking skills. That's what I was saying earlier, right? I'm talking about there are no critical thinking skills. They want skills. you to think for them. They want you to think for them, and that's what the system does.
2: Yeah. Oh, we're going to show you what we're going to do when we think for your little ass. Right. And
1: they, and they really... and they really like. I mentored 40 juveniles at one point, right? Mm-hmm. It's 40 in in, in, the, in the location that I visit. It's right. 40. Maximum 40.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Most of them don't know what a state attorney is. Not most
2: even go of back them... to the room and look it up or... No,
1: most of them don't know what... Convicted felon or or, or, or adjudication withheld. So they come in here
2: blind and deaf. No, they don't know death. nothing.
1: Nothing. They don't know anything. All they know is that they got to pay the light bill and the mama done said, now, "Man, it's been situations." They done bought where, a
2: few lace fronts for these girls. They got their hair done
1: and. But but a lot of it comes from prison. With with the juveniles, a lot of it comes from the home, the the pressures of the home. You got 13-year-olds that have adult responsibilities. There was a a particular time where a a young brother contacted his parents or his mom or whoever, and the response was like, man, when you coming home, man, we need this light, but we need water, we need this, we need that. So already, even incarcerated, they got this pressure. Mm -hmm. Even incarcerated, they got this pressure. And yet, we're not teaching them how to... Right. Let's look at history. Mostly everything that was created was created by the black man. Of course. From the watch to, to the clock iron to board, the to the, the iron board.
3: Iron, you you feel me? Sewing yeah.
1: the Black Wall Street. Like, come on. Like yeah. we're not teaching. They just they 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 are zombies walking around in bodies with no. Yeah,
2: well, they're head in the phones all day and stuff. Yeah, they ain't no space so thinking at all.
1: You know, as far as I see it, that's
2: I, why a lot of them know how to deal with. All this pressure. Everybody want to kill, themselves. First quarter. Like, they don't know how to deal with it and pray and calm down. No and coping skills. None.
1: None. They're not learning coping skills. They're not learning anything. You're just throwing them out there in the world. And it's like, I've never seen, or maybe I'm just naive. I've never seen so many kids with anxiety disorders. Never, me either. And I'm like, never. what is going on? They don't know how, They you know, we're not teaching them anything. We're not teaching them anything. And I don't care if you come from a good home. Because when you give your kids too much, you're enabling them. You feel me? So all that good home, two-parent home, making money and all this stuff, like, it's not working.
2: Right. So Mona Lisa, I'd like to thank you for coming out with me tonight and um, chilling with me on Convicted Conversations. Do you have any closing remarks or anything, um, any podcasts or anything you'd like my viewers to follow you on or any websites or anything?
1: Oh man, well first of all let me say I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um I'm I'm excited to be on Convicted Conversations. Thank I you think ma'am. the name is super, super dope. Thank you, man. Uh, but you know, you can find me at probationstation.com on Facebook, uh, Mona Lisa Weber, W E B E R. Um, I am a community activist. You know, I work a lot with the children in, in, in the hoods. We we feed them we we do breakfast, we do um kids' movie nights. Uh, We really focus on trying to prevent certain things, show them a lot of love, because I think that's what our children need is is, is love. So given the fact that there's no grants for love, you know, we always look for the community to to help out. Um, I've done gift bags inside the juvenile facilities, bringing them what they need, fine dining events inside the juvenile Mm. facility, giving them that that home-cooked meal. So it's really about showing love because right now, It's difficult to create what we want to see because of lack of resources and funds. But again, you know, I I thank you. And again, my name is Mona Lisa Weber. I'm the creator of Probation Station. You can find me at probationstation.com. If you have any questions, if you're on probation, you know, I can guide you in the right direction. And, you know, let's create what we want to see. Let's stop focusing on, on past situations and let's move forward with some, with, 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 some, with, with a lot of love. You feel yes, me? I think ma'am. love is the key. So appreciate you brother. Thank, thank, you, thank you so much. I wish you the best and I'm, I'm sure I'll be back. Thanks
2: for coming
3: on. No problem.